Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Um, It's great to have you all here, and I want to welcome you all. Uh, I want to begin by saying that it's important to remember our greatest president ever was a Republican. And he was uh, the first Republican president was our greatest president ever. And he was a third party president elected with 38 percent of the vote. And his name was Lincoln. And 157 years ago tonight, our greatest president, a Republican, Abraham Lincoln, was shot in the back by a conservative, white supremacist coward. And today, his political party has been taken over by conservative, white supremacist cowards. Not too shocking, I guess. I mean, look at the Roman Empire. The same guys who killed Jesus took over his operation, and the same kinds of people who killed Lincoln took over his operation as well. The Republican Party has given up on any vague notion of policy, They've given up on having an ideology. Anything that has to do with helping have a functioning government that helps people, they've given up on all of it. Other than tax cuts for the rich and bullshit outrage for everyone not rich, they have no real policies to promote. And if you don't like the sound of that, trolls, your beloved party that won't stop suckering you didn't even bother with putting together a platform for their last presidential convention. It should go down in history. The Republican Party 2020 platform was whatever the reality show host wants. And now the party of Lincoln doesn't even want to debate what's best for America because they have nothing to bring to the table. The Republican Party wants out of future presidential debates. The National uh, Republican National Committee voted today to withdraw from the process of participating in debates that both sides have agreed to since the 1980s. Why? Because they're cowards. They're snowflakes. They're terrified to denounce Putin. They're terrified to tell the truth about the history of racism in this country. They're terrified to tell the truth about what happened January 6th or tell the truth about the 2020 election. And now they're terrified of debating an 82-year-old Joe Biden. My friends, for decades, America's had a bipartisan commission whose only job is to host these debates as fairly as possible. That's why it's bipartisan. And in 2020, the former host of Celebrity Apprentice, who was fired because he was so racist, uh, baselessly accused the Presidential Debate Commission of being biased towards Democrats. He had no evidence of this, but he kept accusing them of being biased because Chris Wallace, a Republican on Fox News, kept asking him hard questions. But today, the Republican Party, which used to be the party of Lincoln, today, they're not even the party of quail. They followed through on his childish, unmanly threats to get out of participating in debates altogether. We knew this was coming. We knew it in, we knew it in 2020. We saw the pattern. The, the party of Trump agrees to the debate rules, and then as soon as the debate begins, they break the rules. And then when the commission 
tries to enforce the rules that both parties agreed to before the debate started, the Republicans go full snowflake and whiny and unmanly and have a tantrum and accuse the commission of being biased towards Democrats. And these ignorant people, these people we love, our neighbors, our, our, our relatives, our coworkers, that douchebag from high school you're still friends with on Facebook for some reason, these Trump supporters, they think it's just great because rules are for Democrats, not Republicans, right? That's it. I mean, the more Donald Trump breaks the law, the more they love him. What a scamp. You know, homeless people, well, homeless people, they, 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 uh, they, 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 they game the system. Uh, poor people game the system. But Mr. Trump just uses every possible loophole. You know, the Bipartisan Commission was established in 1987, and it's hosted the debates since 1988. They totally reject the charge. But in a statement today, RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel, oh, Ronna McDaniel, she said her party is, quote, committed to free and fair debates, but they would be held through other platforms. She wasn't really specific about what those other platforms would, should, or could be. And remember, every time you see or hear her name, Ronna McDaniel, you got to remember something. For many, many years, she used her maiden name, Romney. That's how she ascended into power, using her uncle, the governor, now senator's name, Romney, to aid her career. She used the name Romney to build up her power in the party. And then when Daddy Trump told her to drop that name, she did because she's a coward and the party is a party of cowards. She said debates are an important part of the democratic process. We're going to find newer, better debate platforms to ensure that future nominees are not forced to go through the biased CPD in order to make their case to the American people. In reality, you guys know why they withdrew. They don't want their candidates debating. They don't want them debating when all they need to do is spout illiterate double-talk and jive nonsense that makes them all sound like deranged clowns to anybody with an IQ above room temperature. They pulled out of these debates because they are so confident that voter turnout will be so low that they don't need to debate. They can just go on their right-wing media and spout their talking points because that's all they are. They're a party that chews up morality and spits out talking points. They, abhor, they support a terrorist attack on our capital. They'll call you a pedophile if you disagree with them about anything. And they're dependent on humans who believe JFK Jr. is coming back. Oh, Sleepy Joe. Joe Biden is sleepy. Joe Biden is senile. Joe Biden is feeble. And we're terrified of him. My brothers and sisters, the Republican Party, and if you're a conservative, I'd love to hear from you. Please write us. Call our show on SiriusXM. They have no platform. They have no new ideas. They have no plans to help anyone who's not rich. And they have no real leadership beyond Mitch McConnell. And, and that's as good as it gets. They've got their leader in the House, McCarthy, who, uh, let's just say his uh, political ambition is a lot greater than his political ability and his motherfucking IQ. And they have now surrendered the party that Lincoln built to a corrupt, racist, mendacious clown who calls women pieces of ass, who couldn't name the three branches of government, who lost really badly, and who wants to do it again. And the last thing you want to do if you're the cult of clown is to show off these qualities in a debate. They're terrified. They don't want to debate issues. They can't. They know they look bad doing it. And they know very well they have nothing to lose by ignoring debates. You can't debate when you have no platform, no core beliefs beyond what? Uh, millionaires about it rough and women who terminate pregnancy should be in jail. They have no morals. They don't have a single candidate who can go toe-to-toe with an 82-year-old Joe Biden. They don't want to debate. They want to spew propaganda to deplorables and the gullibles. And they'd rather use their propaganda networks than face hard questions or face the rebuttal of their opponent. So they chickened out. And we saw presidential debates in 2020 that are messy and they're ugly. They can be. But debates are a hallmark of democracy. Lincoln and Douglas proved that. And they might not be happening anymore. Uh, Ronna, not Romney McDaniel, said the commission refused to make changes the RNC had demanded, like hosting debates before early voting begins, and in her words, selecting moderators who have never worked for candidates on the debate stage. Now, you want to know how dishonest she is? Moderators who'd never worked for... Can- you know, that's a reference to um, Steve Scully of C-SPAN. 
He was an intern for Joe Biden for one month, 44 years ago, in 1978, when Joe Biden was a senator from Delaware. And Steve Scully was tapped to host one of the 2020 debates. But it wound up being canceled because Donald Trump objected to having it virtually because of the coronavirus concerns. This is before Trump showed up with coronavirus to a debate with Joe Biden and his entire team lied to the debate commission that they'd all been tested. And the Democrats are terrified of these people. The Democrats are terrified of losing the Congress to these people. This is who you're up against, Democrats. This is who everyone who's not a fascist is up against. Listen here. Listen to giant-headed Nazi baby Charlie Kirk. This is one of the bright young lights in this party. I want you to hear what Charlie Kirk had to say today about how the bigger a building is, the more liberal a voter is. Just just give a listen. These are the people that are going to take over the Congress if the rest of us don't show up this November. Charlie Kirk. We have a huge housing crisis in our country, the likes of which we have not seen in a long period of time. But I okay. believe that we need to build horizontally, not vertically. It's one what? of my speeches. Developers Horizon- don't like what? it when I say this, but it's what? true. The higher the building, the more liberal the voter. It just is. So oh. and if you are, oh. the closer to the ground you are, the more conservative huh? you are. We should, really? we should encourage people to spread horizontally and not vertically. Look at Denver. The higher the high rises, has Denver become less free? Or more free. It's become uh, a dystopian nightmare. As you guys free as it that. has ever and been. Say, Charlie, that's it's a correlation of the causation. Think about it. If you're on the 32nd floor renting, not owning, if you're not in the weeds and in the yard and understanding what it takes to grow food and to maintain the, the land, soil, like Charlie are you be more or less likely to actually be a conservative? The higher the building, every single study shows they become more liberal over time. It's happening in Phoenix, happened in Denver, happened in Atlanta, happened in Dallas, happened in Chicago, happened everywhere. Are you following this? few people actually say that out loud. Right, because it's stupid. That's why few people say it. But Charlie Kirk, he's well-funded. The higher the building, the more liberal the voter. It just is. The closer to the ground you are, the more conservative you are. And then Charlie had to go out and till the soil in his garden. Um, Guys, Donald Trump owns a skyscraper. Donald Trump literally owns a hideous skyscraper on Fifth Avenue in our city. After 9-11, the day of 9-11... Donald Trump was calling up on TV bragging that he now had the tallest building in downtown Manhattan. Does Charlie Kirk realize he just offended his grand venereal wizard? Like, this is how dumb they are. Two more states have now passed strict new abortion restrictions in the last 24 hours. In Florida, doughy mediocrity Ron DeSantis signed a ban on abortions after 15 weeks. It only allows abortions past 15 weeks in cases of a medical emergency, or if there is a fatal fetal abnormality. Not if the mother's life's in danger. Not if the mother was raped. <laughs> no. It's another state that's making it a paradise for rapists to pick out the mothers of their own children. In Kentucky, this happened last night while we were on the air. The state's got two abortion providers left, and they are now stopping having abortions unless a court blocks the new ban on abortions after 15 weeks. This anti-abortion movement has proposed new laws that will even prevent people from crossing state lines to terminate a pregnancy. In Missouri, they're considering this right now. They're going to try and do it. They're already doing it in other states. But under this new statute, Missouri citizens could sue doctors who don't live in their state, who perform abortions on Missouri women in a different state. Like if you go to Illinois, because if you live in Missouri, you go to get your abortion in Illinois. Just like if you live in New York, you go to Virginia to get your guns to use on people in New York. Missouri citizens could sue anyone in any state who performs an abortion on a woman from Missouri. And they could also sue anyone who facilitated the abortion, including a friend or a family member. If you drive a woman across state lines, any revoltingly fake Christian would be able to sue you. In 2019, in Georgia, the Republicans passed a law that completely imposed criminal penalties on people who traveled out of state to terminate a pregnancy. The courts have put that law on hold, but they're going to enforce it after Roe v. Wade is overturned this summer. They're literally trying. It it just shows every argument about states' rights is just a nice way of saying, no, we're okay with slavery. Hey, if you think I'm too harsh on the party, listen to this one. This is today. This is Tennessee State Senator Frank Nicely. Uh, the good representative nicely decided that he, he was going to give some inspiration to homeless people, because if you're homeless, life's really hard. He wanted to give him someone to look up to. 
So uh, someone that the homeless could aspire to. Guess who he chose? I give you the floor, Senator Frank Nicely. Speaker, I haven't given you all a history lesson in a while, and I want to give you a little history on homelessness. 1910, Hitler decided to live on the streets for a while. So for two years, Hitler lived on the streets and practiced his oratory and his body language and how to connect with this, and then went on to lead a life that got him in the history book. So a lot of these people, it's not a dead end. They can come out of this, these homeless camps and have a productive life, or in Hitler's case, a very unproductive <laughs> life. I support there you them. go. He was, he was supporting a bill to criminalize homelessness by saying that Hitler was homeless by choice, but then went on to lead a life that got him in the history books, folks. When Donald Trump left office, America had lost three million jobs. Joe Biden created nearly eight million jobs in one year. Unemployment is now at record lows. And this is the record Democrats are terrified. This, this is the party that's terrified of losing the Congress this November. A couple of months ago, Ronna McDaniel sent the debate letter, this, the debate commission, this letter saying the RNC had lost confidence in the organization. The fix was always in. And the CPD co-chairman said the RNC wanted to control things we aren't prepared to let them control. He also said the debate commission deals directly with the candidates for president and vice president, not their party apparatus. <laughs> so, but by the way, also, it's quite possible that... Ronna McDaniel and the Republicans have realized that the debate commission will never again allow a candidate and their entourage to come to a debate without testing negative for COVID if there's still a pandemic. I mean, what would these modern day Trump voters do if they'd had to deal with the League of Women Voters? The League of Women Voters refused to continue hosting debates back in 1988 because they felt to continue was, quote, perpetuating a fraud. They've already been dumbed down before. And I take this as a sign that at least... The RNC thinks they're going to be having Trump as their nominee. And Trump doesn't do rules. Rules are for losers. And Trump would look stupid if he demanded conditions for the debates that no one's ever demanded before. So by saying we're just not going to play, they don't have to worry about Trump embarrassing himself by refusing to reasonable conditions he agreed to two years ago and then violated. The party of Lincoln, murdered by a conservative, confederate, white supremacist 157 years ago tonight, has devolved into nothing more than a slogan dispenser, pushing faux outrage and umbrage and divisiveness. And they don't want to have any debates unless the moderators are Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity. And, and, and by the way, Donald Trump's attacks on the debate commission two years ago made one commission member to break his vow of silence, and that would be John Danforth the guy who brought up Dan Quayle. He wrote that Trump's accusations were simply wrong and contributed to the eroded trust in our democracy. And he, Don Danforth, the Republican senator, defended the moderators as highly professional and experienced. He said, some have suggested that the Commission on Presidential Debates disband and that in the future uh, campaigns, the candidates simply negotiate the debate rules among themselves. Good luck with that. And good luck with that to any Democrat who decides to debate with a party whose only platform now is, if you disagree with us, you're a pedophile. That's it. The party of Roy Moore, Matt Gates, Jim Jordan, Dennis Hastert, and the bloated reality TV lech who bragged about walking in an underage beauty pageant dressing rooms. If you disagree with us, you're a pedophile. Have these debates. Set time limits for every candidate. And for God's sake, start cutting off their mic when their time expires. Or here's, a, here's an idea. Invite both candidates to the next debate. And if one doesn't show up, good. Let the moderators ask their questions and then give the messing candidate airtime. Just maintain silence during that time with a disclaimer about why there's dead air. Here's even better. If Donald Trump or the Republican nominee won't do a debate, then how about go to other conservative parties and invite, third, invite the Right to Life Party, invite the Libertarian Party to show up in their place, eat away at their votes. They're mad because the moderators held Trump accountable for lying. And just remember something. Trump got obliterated in those debates. Senile Sleepy Joe. Senile Sleepy Joe kicked his ass in both debates Trump bothered to show up for. And they're terrified to debate this man when he's 82 years old. My friends, it's very simple when it comes to these debates. If you can't show up for the job interview, you don't deserve the job. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. 
I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This just in, Harris County Democrats in the great state of Texas are now calling Governor Greg Abbott's truck disruptions he's been doing the Abbott Supply Chain Surcharge. Abbott Supply Chain Surcharge, and the Democrats are calling it the ass tax. And they said the ass tax is going to take a chunk out of all our wallets. I'm sorry it's come down the talking points, guys, but that's how you do it. Get people to vote. I wish I could vote for this next gentleman, but he refuses to run for office. He just wants to keep enriching the lives of students in the poli-sci department at Brown University. Professor Corey Brettschneider has written for Time Magazine, New York Times, Politico. Get his book, The Oath and the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents. It is a textbook for democracy. And get his Penguin Liberty series on free speech, on uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's notable cases, and on impeachment. Professor Brettschneider, nobody does it better. Welcome back. Thanks, John. Pleasure to, to talk to you again. It's great to talk to you, and I'm so sorry we couldn't talk last week. I had the coronavirus, and it really, really wow. just knocked me down, and I, I had to take a day off. Um, it was. How are you feeling uh, I, now? I'm much better now. I, I took a day off, and then and then uh, I was gonna I was I was gonna take the day off, and then our good friend Eric Bollert, who was a regular on this show, was taken from us, and so I came in, and it just drained me, and so I. I I took the rest of the uh, I took the last Thursday off, and I'm I'm so glad to be back. And you you and your family had it. How are you guys doing? We had it, and uh, you know, of course, it wasn't wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. It was three days, and then you know, you have a sort of boosted immunity, so you'll have that yeah. to look forward to hopefully soon. I hope so. I'm reading a lot about the Omicron reinfection rates, and it's actually kind of kind of terrifying. So I just yeah. plan on wrapping myself in a giant body condom and never leaving the house again. <laughs> um, but I was really sorry I couldn't speak to you last week, Professor, because it was a really historic occasion. Um, as we both have been looking forward to, uh, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson has been confirmed and will be replacing Justice Breyer on the U.S. Supreme Court the first Monday of next October. Uh, it's an amazing moment in history. I mean, it's a, terrible that it's taken this long to have a black woman appointed to the court. But uh, I'm thrilled that um, it's it's you know now here, and uh, it's bittersweet at the same time as as symbolically important as it is, and as I think beyond competent a justice that she'll be. Uh, you know, it's also a time of trying to preserve gains that have been made over many, many years. And um, it's not a time of expanding rights. It's a time of really trying to hold back the onslaught that's coming from the conservatives. So, uh, you know, as much as I want to celebrate and and do want to celebrate her, I think we've also got to be realistic about where we are uh, as a country. And her role will largely be uh, one that conservatives used to play of of trying to hold on to the the gains that were made uh, rather than uh, some of the more proud moments of the court where we're really expanding uh, rights rather than trying to, to protect them uh, to the last moment. I'll say. I mean, it's just more and more. I, I want to resist the urge to be mad at Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, for not <laughs> leaving when there was a Democratic president. And in fairness to her, everyone thought Hillary Clinton would beat this racist reality show clown. But now as a result, the reality show clown put three justices on the court and it's going to be affecting us for years. I mean, what do you think life will be like for Judge Jackson beyond writing dissents? I think that, you know, largely it will probably be looking for moments of compromise, trying to find some issues where she can cobble together, uh, work with others to cobble together five votes 
Um, and we've seen little th- little instances of some of the conservatives defecting here and there, and they have different reasons for doing so that are not always transparent. Uh, so one kind of strange example was uh, in the case uh, Bostock, which you and I discussed about the mm-hmm. um, about transgender rights under the 1964 Civil Rights Act. You had somebody I believe to be one of the court's most ardent conservatives, uh, Justice Gorsuch. Uh, uh, really uh, joining the liberals and saying that um, the right to not be discriminated against based on sex includes transgender, the rights of transgender people. That was unexpected. Now, there are all sorts of reasons why he might have been doing that. It was a statute, not the Constitution. He might be setting himself up to say um, that in the long term, uh, there are no gay rights in the Constitution. It's one thing to look to a statute from the 1960s to find gay rights, but in the in the Constitution itself, uh, they don't exist. I think that's his right. long game. But that's an example of where a conservative might join for their own purposes uh, with liberals. But, you know, those are going to be few and far between victories, I think. And, I, you know, I hate to sound doom and gloom, and I'll, I'll try to give an up, uh, you know, a, a more positive spin on this in the end. But, you know, across a, just a huge slew of areas, abortion rights, obviously, but as I've been hinting at, gay rights, um, affirmative action, we're just going to see the court eviscerate gains that really took decades uh, to, 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 to build up. And the role of Justice Jackson will be to write dissents. Now, that might sound like a complaint to people, just saying, I disagree, I, I dissent in that sense. But the point of dissents, and we've talked about this in the context of Justice Ginsburg, is that in the long term, they can either become the law through the court's decisions or, and I think this is really crucial and Ginsburg is an example here, they can be calls to the legislature, to the Congress, to states to act. And that's the positive part, I think, of what she can do immediately. She can write the sense that really signal to the Congress that these are the pieces of legislation that we need. These are what we need you to do. So in the famous Lilly Ledbetter case, Uh, Justice Ginsburg fought back against the decision that really rolled back um, the rights of women in regard to sex discrimination, in regard to pay. And Congress did act, passing the Lilly Ledbetter Act, really taking her dissent and putting it into law. So those are the kinds of things that I think uh, on the positive side that we can look at Justice Jackson as a hopefully a leader um, uh, in, in in the decades to come. What about affirmative action? I mean, how much is it on the table? They will not have this majority, the 6-3 majority forever. Um, and, and again, you know, Democrats allowed it to happen. Uh, Mitch McConnell, I think, deserves to be called a racist for the rest of his life for not allowing the black president to get an up or down vote on a duly appointed nominee. Um, I, this is the situation we're in. And the Democrats uh, let it happen. Um what what is are the specific threats we're looking at for affirmative action as we know it? Something that has been endorsed by the U.S. military. Yeah, I think, and that's a crucial point. That, that I mean, where regardless of where you where you are on the question of whether or not affirmative action is a good way to repent for America's past sins, and I think there are good arguments on both sides. I do think that that's it's one of the arguments for affirmative action. There's a pragmatic one, which is that the society can't function if it's not diverse. Uh, and the military, as you're alluding to, said in, in a really important brief in a case about the University of Michigan, uh, they said, look, we cannot function as a military if all our officers are white, plain and simple. And so national security is jeopardized. That, among other arguments, convinced um, Justice O'Connor to join with the liberals in, in, in upholding the legitimacy of affirmative action under the Equal Protection Clause I should say the other arguments are that those history in the 19th century of the clause at issue, equal protection of the law, is it consistent with affirmative action or not? And I think not only is it consistent, that was the whole point of the clause was to try to rectify America's white supremacy, to push back not just against uh, slavery, but what the justices at the time sometimes called the badges and incidents of slavery. And uh, that means, you know, the wider um, uh, culture of discrimination. And the court has just abandoned all those ideas uh, as it pushes back against affirmative action. So where we are is the courts upheld it in that Michigan case because of Justice O'Connor. She's long gone. 
And I'm pretty sure you have six votes right now to just get rid of it altogether. Their theory is a false theory of colorblindness, and they'll say that the Constitution is colorblind. To my mind, that means you have to ignore discrimination. You can't even take account of it. I don't see how any theory of equality could be colorblind. Uh, but that's their view. And I think that uh, Justice Jackson will write a dissent along with Sotomayor, uh, certainly. Um, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a 6-3, uh, a 6-3 decision yeah. and it will be the end of affirmative action, at least. Um, yeah. In regard to, to, to universities, in regard to public universities, probably in regard to public employment, uh, that's to come extremely soon. We're looking at, Professor, all these states that are enacting these ridiculous laws uh, against women's reproductive rights. They're trying to find ways around actually putting women in jail, and they're doing it by deputizing every Yahoo to file lawsuits against women who exercise their reproductive rights or against doctors uh, who help these women or against people who give these women a ride. And now, I mean, Ron DeSantis in Florida signed a ban on terminating pregnancy after 15 weeks today uh, in Kentucky. Same thing. They have only two providers in the entire state, and they are now stopping. Their abortion is essentially illegal in Kentucky. And now we see states are beginning to have laws that will allow citizen yahoos to sue women who travel outside of the state and to sue abortion providers in other states for providing services to women. I mean, it used to be, Corey, they passed these ridiculous laws, and it was for fundraising purposes. They put out a, a, a... a, a fundraising mail saying, I passed the strictest abortion law in our state's history and the courts would always overturn them. I'm not so confident anymore. I mean, it seems mind-boggling that a citizen will be able to use the judicial branch to attack doctors and women in other states for doing something that's between the woman and the doctor. Yeah, there, there's a cynical um, uh, technical legal strategy behind all of this. And, um, you know, it. It's as a law professor, I sort of see how, where they're getting all of this from, and 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 that part of me that 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 is very interested in legal doctrine sees the point and uh, and worries me because I, I'm worried that it will succeed. They think that by deputizing private citizens, that there's no government action, and if what the right to an abortion is is a right against government limits on privacy, well, there's no government involved here. And so that's their ploy here. And I think the other pernicious part of it, of course, is that you have this culture of citizens informing on one another of, of, you know, it sounds to me like uh, the Stasi, like East Germany, a system in which the government co-ops citizens as spies, uh, uh, citizens in order to reduce rights. And yet there's a legal strategy that goes with it that just might work. Now, I don't know that they even need that. I think that 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 really was from a time when they were trying to be clever and come up with uh, conservative activists, come up with strategies that would allow a fifth vote um, to to get rid of abortion without saying that. But I think, frankly, and this is a theme that you're going to hear me sound throughout, you know, the next few months as we look at this new court, um, I think that there are six votes right now um, to say that there is no right to an abortion and that Roe versus Wade was a complete mistake. And uh, that's awful to hear, but I think that's coming too, probably within the year. I will point out that Justice Clarence Thomas is 73 years old, but has the arteries of a much older man. So there, there is that, but we'll, we'll see. Um, and Alito is 72 as well, but those two guys could still commit acts of evil for years. Um, I do want to ask you a, a quickly uh, while we have you, about the horrible subway attack we saw this week in, in New York City. Um, we haven't had a chance to address it too much on the show yet. But, you know, this fellow Frank James, they, they watching how they piece together the investigation is fascinating. And records from Lyft showed that he had visited a storage facility. And the cops went there, and in his storage unit, they found a 9mm ammunition. They found a uh, threaded 9mm pistol barrel that allows for a silencer or suppressor. They found two twenty three caliber ammo which is used for an AR-15. They found an apartment he rented for 15 days in Philly last month where they found an empty magazine for a Glock handgun, a taser, a high-capacity rifle magazine, and a blue smoke canister. And this guy had nine prior arrests in New York City between 92 and 98, including possession of burglary tools, criminal sex acts, thefts of services, criminal tampering. He had a criminal history in Wisconsin and New Jersey, but none of those offenses were felonies which meant the 9mm Glock he allegedly used 
in the subways this Tuesday was obtained legally, and he bought it over the internet 11 years ago in Ohio. It's it's just, and, and there's YouTube videos of this guy on lengthy diatribes talking about his desire to kill people. Corey, if this doesn't allow us to advance the cause of safe gun laws, what will? I think it's a sick society, you know, and um, uh, when I saw that shooting, like all New Yorkers, I was petrified, petrified of whether family was there and who was going to be uh, victim, seeing that there were students on that train uh, going to um, Brooklyn yep. Tech, I believe one of them said, and, uh, you know, having a daughter that's traveling on the subways uh, from school, that all of that, you know, just makes you think, what is going on in this society that we haven't gotten it together to to pass the most basic law, which is to protect the security of children and the security of commuters and to 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 protect against the worst form of violence from people who are clearly i don't know if he's mentally ill in the sense that he'll be absolved of criminal responsibility but there's something certainly mentally off about frank james and um you know we we don't have the laws to stop that and in fact everything that he did up until that point when it came to the to the gun seems to be legal and worse than that and we'll talk about this i know but according to some, uh, that he had a right to that gun. And uh, I think that's part of where we we really have gone wrong. There is no right to put people uh, in danger, and there's no right to have a society that is uh, incapable of protecting the most basic right, and that's the right of safety. I feel like we need to make Frank James a Second Amendment hero, Corey. That this right. man's words and his actions and his deeds need to be known to everyone. And he should be, when we think of the NRA, we should think of Frank James because he is who they fight for. And, I, I mean, he, it, he, he bought this gun over the Internet 11 years ago. And to comply with state laws, he had it sent to a local pawn shop in Ohio, which has a federal firearm license. I mean, it was all legally purchased. And he yep. used it to open fire on innocent men, women, and children after being on the Internet saying he wanted to kill people. This is the yep. face of the NRA. Yep. I think, first of all, we should look through his videos and see if he had an explicit defense of the Second Amendment. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if that was one of his rants. Um, another thing is he is just the perfect counterargument, as you say, to one of the NRA's main contentions, and that contention is that, um, you know, it's not uh, it's criminals in their words who buy guns illegally and commit crimes. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case here. It looks like it's exactly uh, what we've allowed to legally go on. That's uh, caused this violence again against against children once again. Amazing. Professor, it's a great pleasure to have you with us. It's it's uh, it's a scary, scary time. And I look forward to seeing how Justice Jackson might handle issues like gun control in the years to come. I'm optimistic. I think, you I'm know, hopeful. Yep. I, I am hopeful. And this is going to be one of those places where she can really outline a sensible policy. I'll tell you, she's not going to do what a lot of liberals would want. I think a lot of liberals would want a justice to say this whole idea of the Second Amendment is BS. It was about a militia. It's a dead letter. There is no right to gun ownership. But watching her pretty closely, she is more conservative than that. And I think she'll say something a little more subtle. Uh, maybe not the thing that I would say, but it's something that I could admire. And that's that, yes, there is a right to gun ownership. The text protects it. I think that's my guess as to what she'll say. But we have to be reasonable about the limits of that right. It's not an absolute right. It's a right that has to be limited in order to protect us from people who are mentally disturbed. It isn't an entitlement of everyone to carry a gun outside. So she might accept Justice Scalia's ruling in the Heller case that says there is a Second Amendment right to own some guns in some circumstances and then Mm -hmm. talk about reasonable limits. I think that's probably our best way forward, consistent with my theme, that we're in a moment of trying to push back rather than expand um, a progressive agenda on the court. Uh, and, you know, that's, I think, what we'll, what we'll look from for, for well, her. Well, speak for yourself, Corey. I would like to see her <laughs> grab uh, the lapels of Clarence Thomas and scream, does Katanji need to smack a bitch? So I know I'm not getting what I want. 
<laughs> Professor, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. I'm so glad you're well. I look forward to speaking more next week. Thank you. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm John Fugelsang. So good to have you with us. So good to have our next guest with us, taking the calls all the way till midnight. John Poveroma is a great comic, born in Brooklyn, raised in Jersey. Hold neither of those things against him. You've seen him on VH1, HLN, Fox News, is Red Eye. Welcome back. The star of the uh, excellent show, Dystopia Tonight, Mr. John Poveroma. Thank you. What's going on, man? How are you? Uh, you know, I, uh, last week I was doing your uh, your MS telethon with you, and neither one of us knew that we both had COVID. That's what's going on. Yeah, absolutely, man. I wish I kind of wish I'd known. I think it would have at least prepared me a little bit more because honestly, I just thought I couldn't hang anymore. I was like, man, I used to stay up twenty four hours all the fucking time. What is going on? I was like, my face was pounding. I was I was sweating. <laughs> it's horrible. Did you, wait, so so how did you find out you had it? Because like I, my 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 wife had it, and so I knew I had it from her office. And you know, uh, we all were taking tests around here, and uh, I got three negative uh, instant tests, and then I got a PCR, and it told me, kid, you're down. And I was really sick for twelve days. Yeah. Oh man. 12 days. I thought so. So I found out, so I did the, I was up for 30 plus hours, by the way, the whole telethon was 24 hours. Yeah. Straight, tell everyone. You know? Cause I, I, I talked about your telethon last week oh. on the air. So enjoyed doing it. Um, oh. but tell everyone what you were doing and what you were doing it for. Yeah. So, um, we were doing uh, a telethon for 24 hours straight live stream on Twitch, uh, for the MS society. Um, my producer's wife's got MS. I lost a friend um, who had MS, and we just we just know a bunch of people uh, in the comedy community yeah. have it. And one of our uh, friends of the show, Art Alexakis, who's the lead singer of Everclear, is an MS warrior. One of our close friends, Justin Gonzalez, another guy, MS warrior. So yeah. you know, we did a benefit for the MS Society. We joined up with them, and we did 24 hours straight. Had um, you were you were on there for a while, which was great. Thank you so much for doing as much time as you did. That Thank helped you. me out a great deal. Um, we had Art on. We had Ricky Bird from Joan Jett and the Black Hearts. Just a bunch of Wendy Liebman, uh, Kathy Ladman came on. Uh, Tommy Chong, Mark Brazil. Just a bunch oh, of friends. I love all to these get people. together. They've yeah. all done the show. Love all these people. Yeah, Mike Farrell, Shelley Fabray came on. Um, um, love Mike. Love Mike. Jake Hogan. And we raised over $5,000 uh, for the MS Society. So I'm really happy with that. Um, and you didn't we, know you had COVID at the time. Yes. And I had no idea. I just, I was like, this is going to be great. And then, you know, by the next day, next morning, I was starting to really feel it. And I just thought I was just being a pussy and could not fucking stay up for 24 hours anymore. And I was like, God, am I that old already? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I used to do this all the time, being out on the road. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is a real bummer. And so uh, end of the show comes and I get uh, it's, we went from 6 p.m. on the 29th to 6 p.m. on the 30th. So 6 p.m. comes show ends. We wrap My compliments. Thank you. Yeah, we, I got some I got some food in me or whatever. And I went to sleep and I went to sleep for like eight hours. It was great. Got a solid eight hours. Still didn't know I had fucking COVID. I woke up. I had a bunch of shit to do in the morning. I went for a fucking run. I had breakfast. I took my cat to the vet. And then I got back and I was like, I'm still tired. This is bad. Wow. My face you were like is, a I'm, one man super spreader event. That's amazing. I, I know I'm such a piece of shit. dude. Well, no, I still wear my mask everywhere. I wear my mask right. everywhere. But I'm still, I go out, so I'm doing all that shit. And then um, I get back and I was like, I got to take a, a, a home test because I don't know what's going on, but I feel like shit. So I take it, comes back negative. I'm like, all right, whatever. I go to sleep. I wake up. I felt like I was swallowing fucking knives, like literally uh, like between. Yeah. Go, I slept for like a couple hours and my head felt like 
just like needles, like just jabbing That's what me. Charmy so, had. Charmy had said it was like she was swallowing glass in her throat. Yes. It felt like broken oh, glass. The I worst, totally, man. I had totally different symptoms, but I, had, I did have sore throats uh, for several days. What were your symptoms? Oh, my God. I counted over a dozen. I mean, I had an incredible wow. headache behind my eye. I had runny yep. nose. I had sneezing, uh, sore throat, coughing, um, low-grade fevers. Like, I had mono mm. again, coming and going, coming and going. Wow. Huge fatigue. My my stomach doing uh, doing backflips. Um, and mm. then, like, real... Uh, one, one thing that I had read about, but I haven't heard a lot of people talk about real waves of emotion like like getting really really emotional and not really like having to say okay perception is not reality i've got covid chill out you know you just have to park it i mean i watched the entire series of severance over the weekend uh without you know like (laughs) just you just have to take yourself out for a while today I, i went to gilbert's funeral and it was like it was my first time uh, having having a wallet and keys in my pocket in twelve days. It's <laughs> a great way to describe it. Yeah, it's it's fucked up, man. I mean, I didn't have the the fevers, thankfully, but the the headaches were intense, like I've never had before, because it was constant; it wouldn't fucking stop. And then yeah. congestion that fucking Sudafed. Sudafed's like the strong shit. I, I took Sudafed, Mucinex, Allegra D, and it was Same. like nothing would subside Same. it. Um, I slept for twelve hours, like the second day. Yeah. Yeah, didn't even know weekend, I was going to do the that. The first weekend, I slept all nonstop Saturday and Sunday before I even yeah. had a positive test. I was just sleeping all day, both days. Oh, that was another thing too. I went to get a positive test. I drove myself to the ER, and I immediately they were they were cool because I was like, "Hey, I think I actually have COVID," and they were like, "Whoop whoop," you know what I mean? Like I got in there like too sweet, and then um, they gave me a test for strep too because he was like, "That's going yeah. around. Let's just do it yeah, all." I heard that and then too. He was like. Yeah, it was like strep negative. Um, you're positive for COVID, and I was so mad, dude. Because wow. I mean, we, we you and I both lasted forever without getting it. I know, and I don't but know. You how know you, what? Are you? I, I call it close encounters of the third variant. I mean, we got through, <laughs> we got through Delta, we got through uh, um, Omicron, but BA two that that yep. got me. That did it. Me the, too. It's, it's Just... and it's so hyper contagious. Um, yeah. That uh, and again, but the. You know the the vaccines are a miracle, and my my little son was back in school on by Tuesday, which nice. was great. Um, yeah. So yeah, but boy, How we, was... I, I'm like, so I'm a bit of a hypochondriac anyway, right? So I'm like dealing with like everything I know about COVID, everything I've learned about COVID, trying not to let it overwhelm me, um, you know, fully or whatever. But I did go to the ER yesterday, so I went to the eye doctor because I'm I'm negative, you know, whatever, and and uh, you know, it was I'm feeling okay, but I go to the eye doctor, they do my blood pressure. And it was 90 over 56. And they were like, that's really low. And I was just like, what does that mean? Like, I don't take my blood pressure regularly. Like, that's for that's for 80-year-old. I don't know what the fuck that, you know? So I'm like, so I'm like, well, what does that mean? And my, like, my eye doctor's like, oh, you, like, you work out and you run. It's probably fine. Like, it's, you know, your heart doesn't need to blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, all right, but what does he know? You know what I mean? Eye doctor. So then I call another doctor <laughs> friend of mine, you know what I mean? But he knows, you know, I mean, he probably knows whatever. But anyway, so last night I wind up in the ER because I'm convinced at this point that I'm like- Last I, night? I, yeah, I took myself to the ER because I thought like, first of all, I'm fatigued from COVID still anyway. Like that is like, I didn't realize that that was just, it's just going to wave over you. Like, I don't know if you're feeling that too, where you're like still tired, but yeah. like, even though I'm talking oh, yeah. a mile a minute, I get tired, man. Like I think more than I, more than I did before. But I like now I'm checking my fucking heart on my phone and the hospital could not have blown me off more where they were just like, oh God, another, another COVID guy, you know, whatever, where I was just like, yeah, I think I have low, low blood, blood pressure. And they took it and they were like, well, it's fine now. And I'm like, well, I'm also in a fucking hospital. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like take it and take it, you know, as a great assault or whatever. But I was like, well, it's 56. And they were like, if you were in the low forties, we'd be worried. And I'm like, I'm worried me. <laughs> I'm worried now. Uh, and so I don't know, dude, I'm like in my brain, I'm like, all right, just calm down. It's probably fine. Like I've been monitoring it on my watch, but I'm like, I need to get a co- to a cardiologist. I have no fucking clue what to do. Like, oh I, you know, am I crazy? I'm just tell me I'm crazy. Like, is well, it, that's low, right? I, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, my mother was an RN, so I'm completely qualified to consult with you on oh, this. I'm sure our listeners are too. You know, I'm, <laughs> yeah. glad you, I'm just, look, I'm glad you saw the doctor, but you, you got to rest. I mean, it's. At the right. end of the day, it's like everything else. You 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 got to rest and take fluids. Rest and take fluids. Rest and take fluids. So right, you you know, okay. please, yeah. no more thirty-hour marathons. Because, <laughs> I mean, I admire that you did it, but you probably exacerbated your condition and made it last a couple of days longer. So please, please, yeah. uh, uh, be careful, John. I will. 
I will. Thanks. Yeah, no, I know. Seriously. I'm like losing my mind. <laughs> and you're, 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 when you brush, you're brushing in circles like I showed you on that model that time, right? You're, you're doing that too, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You were talking you about have hair, protection. Right? You're, you're using condoms. You have protection. You, you have, yeah, okay. So gosh, we're, okay. Yeah, we're all, I got all that. Yep. We're all yeah, set. In spite of all the right. fact that I look like I live in a van, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> being safe and protecting it. But other than that, man, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just crazy. So I'm, you know, it's, it's fine. I'm, but are you feeling better now? Yes. Yeah. I'm feeling better now. Everything's good. Everything, everything went away. All the symptoms kind of went away and stuff. And, you know, like I said, just get a little tired every now and again. Here in New York, we hear the ambulance sirens going all day and all night. Like it's April of 2020. Wow. We have not heard ambulances like this in two years to the month. It's right. just crazy over here. Uh, on the bright side, um, Joe Biden is having a pretty good economic run and the media is not talking about it. I want to get your thoughts. No. Here he is today speaking to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't hear this on the news because it's not as big as Kardashian Photoshop scandals. But here's Joe <laughs> Biden bragging a little about the success in the manufacturing sector in the first year of his pandemic presidency. Thus far, we've created 365,000 new manufacturing jobs in America just last year. That's the best year for U.S. manufacturing in the last 30 years. And here he's sharing good news about the sinking numbers in black and Hispanic unemployment. Black unemployment fell by more than 30 percent, more than 30 percent. Hispanic unemployment fell from nearly 9 percent to 4.2 percent in the year 2021. Tune into Fox News to not hear more. Now, John, that old man is going to be an 82-year-old man in 2024, and that's the 82-year-old man that the Republican Party is terrified to debate. Mm. I began the show tonight by talking about how the RNC has pulled out of the official debates and will not participate uh, for reasons that are not really given. But that's the guy they're terrified of. Wow. I think, can I say something right now? And we, we all know the Democrats are really bad at marketing and all this shit. Oh, and I, and yes. I, I think the, the next time Hollywood celebrities, Hollywood Democrats decide to have some kind of a fundraiser, nix the fundraiser. Don't, don't, any, don't donate any money. Donate your publicists. Can I just bring that out there? Oh, just I do like that. this. Whoever kept the slap in the news for longer than it should have been, get them onto the Democrat side. Get people rushing over to Biden anytime he's got a great economic story like, Here's what we need you to tweet. Here's what we need you to do. <laughs> Post this on Instagram. You know, call TMZ. That's what we need. I'll go a step further. I, I think we need to pay Will Smith to slap Joe Biden. And then suddenly <laughs> we can get some of this. Let's get Will Smith to smack Build Back Better. And suddenly the public will rally behind it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I would get behind that. <laughs>